We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It is Friday Rapid Fire on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Glad to have you with us. I think a lot of people are out early for Memorial Day weekend already. As you can see, Jesse has his uh, Memorial Day weekend gear on, getting ready to hit a Cleveland Guardians game tonight, huh? That is the plan. After uh, we are done here, Memorial Day weekend marks the start of $2 beers before uh, pre our first pitch. And so as soon as we are done, I will be down there to uh, capitalize. Nice. Very nice. Well, glad to have you with us again here tonight. We've uh, we've got, uh, yeah, I think, some interesting topics that we're going to be covering. It, uh, hopefully, Jesse's not pre-gaming there already, uh, sitting in his apartment in Cleveland. But hey, what the heck, if he is, it is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, let's just get right at it. And of course, first, smash the like button, help us out, and subscribe, rate, and review. We will jump into our topics today. We have a few Notre Dame-related before we branch off into some other stuff. So Stuart Mandel of The Athletic was asked to make a bold and gutsy prediction for each Power 5 conference this upcoming football season. For his ACC prediction, he said North Carolina State quarterback Brennan Armstrong will, quote, light up Notre Dame, end quote, in the September 9th matchup in Raleigh. For the Big Ten, Mandel said that Maryland will upset either Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan this season, one of those three. So, Jess, between those two bold predictions, which has the better chance to actually happen this fall? Hmm. So I guess when, when I look at light up Notre Dame, the first thing I think of is, are we talking statistically? Or are we talking like win or loss? Um, I think that there is a greater chance that Maryland would upset someone like uh, Penn State rather than North Carolina State lighting up Notre Dame. I don't see Maryland beating uh, Ohio State or Michigan. And I, I think of the weaker three, it's Penn State. And I definitely don't see NC State lighting up Notre Dame. So of uh, of the pool that I'm picking from, I think that uh, Maryland upsetting Penn State is the most likely outcome. So you're going to go specific. You're not even going one of the three. You're saying Maryland upsetting Penn State. Write it down. 
I mean, you look at Brandon Armstrong, he's obviously a good quarterback, you know, but he completed just 54% of his passes last season, which was a huge drop from the 65% that he completed two years ago. Now he's going to be reunited with his offensive coordinator at NC State, the one he had two years ago when he was at Virginia, you know, when he threw for over 4,400 yards. Interestingly, he missed the Notre Dame game that season with the rib injury, if you remember that. That was like kind of going to be Notre Dame's final sort of big test two years ago. But Armstrong ended up being out, and it was just Still a barely dud won of, that game. It was well, it was kind of a dud of a game, but it was yeah. I mean, it was maybe a little bit closer, and you have to wonder like what would have happened had they had Armstrong. But I'm just not buying Armstrong lighting Notre Dame up. NC State's best receiver from a year ago, the, their their absolute best receiver is gone. And their best returning receiver basically has Lorenzo Styles type numbers from a season ago. And I just think Notre Dame's secondary is too good. So I'm going to go with what you said as well. And especially like when you look at what Maryland did last year, I mean, they were eight and five, which for Maryland is a solid season. Half of those wins came in Big Ten play. They only lost by a touchdown to Michigan. Now they got smoked by Penn State, who you're predicting for the upset. But they lost 43-32 to Ohio State. And Penn State, Michigan, Georgia, the only teams to score more points against the Buckeyes last season. So, like, I can see why he's saying that Maryland could upset one of those big three. Especially the fact like they get two of those three games at home. They're at Ohio State. They get Michigan and Penn State both at home in November. As of now, neither one of those games is a night game, you know, just so you know, on the subject of Big Ten night games. But, you know, he got two of his little brother there. He completed 67% of his passes last year, over 3,000 yards. So I can see why he'd be saying that. I just, I, I don't buy Armstrong lighting up Notre Dame, you know, be, again, Lighting up Notre Dame is fairly relative, however you want to interpret that. But I, I read it as like he's going to torch their secondary kind of thing. I don't know that he has the firepower. Like he alone as a quarterback is a good quarterback. But what he's got for weapons versus Notre Dame secondary, I don't I don't see it happening. So I'll go with one of those upsets for Maryland as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, I've got another Notre Dame-related topic for us today. We found out this week Notre Dame and Navy are going to kick off at 2.30 Eastern time in that Ireland game, the Dublin game. That is 7.30 local time in Ireland where the game is being played. So that means the team's flight home won't leave Ireland until sometime after midnight. The Irish don't have a bye, of course, the following week. They're hosting Tennessee State. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your concern level that the travel and the jet lag could have an effect on the Irish the week after the Navy game? Mm, scale of one to 10, my concern about jet lag and, and kind of just being, you know, out of it after all of the Navy travels, I put it at a three out of 10 and, and 10 being absolutely, you know, worried about it. And I don't think it's really an issue overall because I feel like the coaching staff will uh, work the schedule in a way that allows, you know, for an off day to still, obviously there's still gonna be an off day in there, a day to recover and probably get, you know, the body readjusted and stuff. So I feel like just like anytime there is, you know, a, a game kind of out of schedule, there always seems to be a way that coaches work back in, you know, maybe it's not your standard typical day off, but they'll find a way to kind of take the day off, you know, once they, once they land and get readjusted. So I think good coaching kind of, and, and you know, just good planning overall should resolve this issue. So I'm, I'm overly not too worried about it. It's been more than 30 years since I, flew back to the states from Europe. So I don't I don't remember massive jet lag when I came back. I remember it being a lot worse when I went over there and just felt like I needed to sleep for like a day basically when I when I got there. You've been there more recently. You you've actually been to Ireland what 6 7 years ago, something like that. So what what was that experience like for you coming and going? So I remember going flew overnight and then when we landed we just kind of hit the ground running so that that wasn't really there Did was really sleep no on the time. flight i think so like here and there i think i was kind of you know you get too excited going there so you don't really think about the whole sleep thing the sleep uh -huh. thing is more of a thing when you come back but i can't for some reason i can't re really remember the flight back too much but i don't think i was like too far out of it again is there going to be some sort of period of adjustment? Yeah, but I don't think it's enough for something. You don't to be think it'll linger about. all week? Yeah. No. Again, because I think there's going to be a day that they build in just literally to tell them, relax, don't do anything, you know, allow your body to try to, you know, reconnect and recalibrate to the best of its ability. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we know, the last time Notre Dame played Navy in Dublin, it's been 11 years ago. You know, they smoked the midshipmen, but they had the same situation. They didn't have a buy coming out of it. One week later, they had to play Purdue, and they barely squeaked out a win over Purdue. Now, Tennessee State, FCS team, they're not going to be as good as Purdue. But what you also don't want to have and you, what you can't have is a team that comes back, you know, and has to readjust from, you know, a five-hour time difference, an eight-hour flight home or whatever it is, you know, right around there. 
and then sleepwalk sleepwalks through the week because they think they can basically just cakewalk past an FCS team, you know, because you're getting back to classes and practice and the whole thing. It's going to be a different experience, different than any of these guys are used to. Should Tennessee State be a struggle? No, absolutely not. But, you know, again, Notre Dame can't afford to come home and play an ugly game, you know, after after coming back like that. An ugly game against this level of opponent, basically. Yeah, you don't want to uh, turn into Michigan from years past. Yeah, so my, so I guess my concern level is low. It's a three, but it's not like Marcus Freeman has the experience with dealing with with this, you know, it's it's going to be new to him and how they make that adjustment, how they're going to to deal with it to get their guys reacclimated and ready to play a game less than a week after they get back to the states. So it'll be it'll be interesting to. I mean, that's that's basically should be the only thing that that could make the Tennessee State game a close game is if there's any of that. Just what those body clocks are 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 on, I guess. So Tom Brady has reached agreement with the Raiders to join the team's ownership group. My question, Jess, Brady, of course, is set to work in the Fox broadcast booth next year, not this upcoming season, but next year, 2024. Should he be allowed to call Raiders games for Fox once he starts that TV career? I don't think that he should be able to um, call Raiders games. There's an obvious conflict um, of interest and, you know, whether or not I'm sure he would be professional about it, but I don't think that he should be even put in the situation where, you know, there you don't want to give the fans an excuse because they're, they're already going to be, you know, upset as is, or have criticisms of Tom Brady, et cetera. And then you introduce something else to get the fans all riled up. I, I just don't see it as a good idea um, logistically. So I am actually surprised that he is getting into the ownership thing rather quickly. And I'm surprised that he is, going to juggle both at the same time, you know, being part owner and, uh, you know, doing the broadcast side of things too. But I mean, that's uh, it's a lot of money. So I'm sure that is the, the driving factor, but he's going to be a busy man. Uh, you know, he will. he's not playing football. He's, he's probably going to be just as equally busy. It's, it's going to be a unique circumstance. I don't have a problem with it because like where you get into these, you know, conflicts of interests and, and all that stuff is when you don't know the connections that different people have with each other. You know, like we're going to know going in that Tom Brady has a stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's known up front if, it, you know, if if he is the announcer, if he's the number one announcer for whatever network it happens to be and the Raiders are good enough to be playing at a game where the number one broadcast crew is calling that game, then they've got to call that game regardless. And again, you know up front that Tom Brady is going to have a connection with the Raiders. So I have no problem with it because whatever conflict of interest there is, it's it's a known interest. People are going to know it. You're right. You know, because of that, people are going to say stuff, but people are going to say stuff one way or another. You know, every player has a connection to at least one team once they go into the booth. You know, like for, for Troy Aikman, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And Troy Aikman hears both from Dallas Cowboys fans and fans of the Eagles, the Washington Commanders, the New York Giants, and everyone else that Dallas plays because they think that he's being biased you know, in favor of the Cowboys. Cowboys fans think that he's too hard on them most of the time. 
So everyone's going to know where Tom Brady stands going into that. So I've got no problem with him doing games. He's in the, you know, again, he's in the number one booth. Do the games. Pep it up a little there. Safari hat, man. <laughs> Look like I punched you in the nose. I have all Pat, the. Huh? I said I have all the pep. Okay. So Pat McAfee, another broadcaster, he's soon going to be going over to ESPN, leaving his FanDuel uh, YouTube platform and, and going over to ESPN. Now, he's had some backlash from some folks who say he's selling out by making that move. Is that criticism fair or foul? Mm, I think that pretty, that criticism is actually pretty foul because, you know, it, it. I don't think you can criticize a man on where the money is taking him. And if you call, if you say it's foul, then I don't know a person who turns down more money and a bigger opportunity, essentially, um, in their career. And I think that's what McAfee is looking at. And he is taking that next step, both professionally um, and financially. So I don't find it to be foul at all. No, I don't either. You know, like all the grunge rockers said Nirvana sold out when they went mainstream, but they put the Seattle music scene on the map. And then Nirvana, you know, Kurt Cobain started taking shots at Pearl Jam, basically saying they sold out, you know, making it a more mainstream. But you know, there's always going to be someone and McAfee built his own empire. You know, he built this thing on his own. He took the risks. He walked away from the NFL when there was still, you know, when he was still a successful punter, he was only in his twenties. He's going to make almost as much in the first year of this ESPN deal as he did in his entire professional career, you know, and like, do people begrudge athletes? I guess probably somebody does, but you know, like when when Jason Giambi left Oakland and went to the Yankees, was he selling out or was he just taking the biggest contract that came his way? What's the difference? Pat McAfee is making a living for himself on something that he built. So calling him a, a sellout, completely, completely foul to me. I mean, the guys, the guys got to make his own way. And I actually saw this afternoon after I, you know, had sent you this question that we were going to do it today. Charles Barkley, of course, was on his show. <laughs> and Charles Barkley uh, was was telling McAfee that he needs to tell people to shut the F up if they think <laughs> that he's selling out. So in typical, in typical Barkley fashion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, again, not no one else's business. And if you're going to criticize someone for how they're handling their, their finances, then, again, you got some other problems. Exactly. Fill in the blank. It's blank that an East Carolina baseball player was ejected from his conference tournament game this week for giving a teammate who had just hit a home run. It was either a hot dog or a sandwich. Apparently, there's some discrepancy in exactly what the food was, but it was either a hot dog or a sandwich. He gave his teammate who had just hit a home run a hot dog slash sandwich during the post game or the during the post home run celebration. So he got ejected. Well, first of all. Hot dog and sandwich are the same thing. A hot dog is just a sandwich, so we'll just no, clarify that. We're we're gonna have to disagree on that. A hot <laughs> At that dog point, is not so a, he got hot dog some is sort not of a sandwich. A hot dog. He got is a, a hot sandwich. Dog. He got a sandwich. <laughs> he got a hot dog after hitting a home run. <laughs> I just find it to be ridiculous, and I've seen there was a video. I can't remember how long I saw it ago. Maybe a year, half a year at this point. But a college kid, you know, jacks a home run. And of course, he's 
he's getting out of the box and celebrating it a little bit. And he's got the home plate umpire behind him, you know, saying something to him, egging him to, you know, speed it up essentially. And then as he's around the bases and coming home, the umpire has something to, to say to him again. And, you know, overall leads to his ejection. And it's just, I just, it's, it's so stupid. You're not doing anything to harm anyone. Um, it is well known that in today's games that, you know, guys are, guys are pimping home runs. It's, it's part of the game. Um, and, and again, if you're, if you're not doing anything, you know, to harass anyone, if you're not dropping F-bombs or anything like that, like, I just don't understand what the big deal is. And it just, it always goes back to the umpires have to have their, their hands on the game too much. Uh, they think their, you know, their role is a lot bigger than what it is. And eventually it, it just allows you know, umpires to influence the game in a negative way because now you've taken out a guy who is obviously a game changer or an impactful player. Yeah, and and that's the thing is the guy who got ejected was not in that game. He was supposed to be the pitcher in the next day's game. And so because he got ejected, if you get ejected, you also get suspended from the next game. So he missed his start. Fortunately for East Carolina, they won. They actually lost the game were that the guy got ejected from but the ncaa came up with this rule after last season about no props you know like you're not allowed to use a prop for home run celebrations and so the guy gives the guy you know a bite of his hot dog sandwich whatever you want to call it and the umpire decided that that is a prop so that's why he got ejected it's just over officious overreaching umpires officials whatever you want to call it it is just too much. Once again, let them have a little bit of fun. It, you know, it's not like they were grandstanding or, or shoving it at anyone's face other than his own his own teammates. A little bit of food in his face. So I think it's ridiculous. Just just totally ridiculous that they would eject a guy for because I guess what he did was like the guy was in in the handshake line and he stuck the sandwich whatever up to the guy's face and the guy took a bite out of it as he's going back to the dugout like that's a prop you know you're getting suspended for that i just it's unreal. i think salty brings up a good point i think umpires should be ejected and they should have backup umpires yeah uh, ready to come in for for umpires who are just doing too much you know like i i just i i it's so frustrating because you know baseball has obviously done some stuff to kind of speed up the game get more action and be more fun and it seems like the umpires are the ones that are still kind of not on board and limiting, you know, the growth, I guess you could say. Yeah. Jesse, do you even get this reference from Derek J.J. Walker? Kid Dynamite wants his hat back. Do you even know what that means? I know who Kid Dynamite is. <laughs> Kid Dynamite is. Is that like a rapper? Is that a current rapper? No, it's isn't it the like the, the Dynamite guy? Yeah, okay. So you do know who it is. I thought maybe you were referring to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, JJ Walker from from Good Times. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you got it cuz that was uh that was long gone by the time the TV was on in our house when you were growing up. So speaking of college baseball, Notre Dame plays the number 1 team in the nation tonight, Wake Forest, in their final ACC tournament game. We've got NCAA selection Monday coming up, Memorial Day at noon. Scale of 1 to 10, what chance are you giving the Irish to make their third straight NCAA appearance this season? Scale of 1 to 10, I say if they win against Wake Forest, I'd give it a 50-50 shot. If they lose against Wake Forest, so that puts it at a 5 out of 10. 
but for for people like Derek who probably aren't good at math, um, for <laughs> out of ten, for if they don't beat Wake Forest, I'd put it at a three out of ten. I think there's an outside chance, but I think beating Wake Forest only gets you on that cusp of you know bubble, probably like first team in, first team out, and then I think losing you would still be like one of the first four out or you know whatever that might look like. But again, I think winning puts them like right on that bubble against it, it, if they can beat Wake Forest. Yeah, and based on now, you know, again, they're like third-party projections. D1Baseball.com, probably the biggest website that covers college baseball. They've still got them at the top of their on-the-bubble list, you know. So they are there, but they are at the at the top, but they've got to play Wake Forest. And if they lose to Wake Forest, that would be losses in five of their last six games. Mm. Does that sound right? Yeah. So that would not be good, and it would, you know – Granted, it would be a quote-unquote quality loss, but it's still a loss at a time that you need wins. I'm, well, the thing I'm is, this... too, if you beat them, you split the your regular season games against them because they took one That's or three true. in the set, so then you're you're two of four with the number one team. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm pretty much in the ballpark with what you're saying. If they beat Wake Forest, I give them like a six, six and a half. If they lose to Wake Forest, I put it at a two. Going into the game right now, without having played it, I give them about a four. Yeah, a little bit, a, a little bit, you know, below 50-50. just because of what they've lost, as we talked about last night, who they lost to, and the other things that you have to, the other thing that you have to start looking at. We were just talking about East Carolina. They're in because they lost their opening round game. They were the number one seed at the American tournament. They lost to the eight seed South Florida in the first round. So they're in the elimination bracket right now. So if East Carolina does not come out of the elimination bracket, they're still going to make the tournament, but someone in the American is going it to steals steal a, a bid. bid from someone like Notre Dame. That's exactly right. And there are a couple other, you know, conferences where you're going to have to look. And that's what's going to obviously, if you're a team on the bubble, you have to start the, you know, the bid stealers. Are, are what's going to get you. And, you know, in the in the Big East, there's a potential out there with UConn. Like the Sun Belt is probably going to get multiple teams in the tournament. So that, that starts squeezing teams that are on the bubble. If Notre Dame wins, uh, you know, again, like you can't get more quality than a win over the number one team in the nation. But win or lose, tonight is their last game. It's their last chance to make an impression. They're not getting into the semifinals. So, again – they win, I give them around a six and a half. If they lose, I put it down around a two. So, what are your overall thoughts on the the format of the ACC tournament that they've been doing kind of recently? I like it because it is designed. The reason they do this pool play is what they what the ACC decided a few years back when they did it. What they were trying to do is give teams an opportunity before the selection show on Monday to boost their RPI. By playing other, you know, playing guaranteeing multiple games against teams with good RPIs. Now, in Pool A, where Notre Dame is, you've got the one seed, the eight seed, and the twelve seed. It's really the only pool where, you know, unless you're playing Wake Forest, you're not going to get a lot of benefit out of it. All the other pools have teams that are closer together in RPI, so they're actually going to get more bump out of it. You know, Notre Dame's going to get some bump; they'll get better bump if they're able to win, but I like it because they're trying to give their teams, you know, a little bit more resume boost before selection Monday.
Indy 500 this weekend, Jesse. You're going to be watching it? I can't tell you the last time I watched the Indy 500, to be honest with you. And I don't even know <laughs> if I've ever been one to one before, but it's always, it's actually kind of a bucket list item, even though like I'm not, you know, enthralled to watch it every year. It being in obviously Indianapolis and being from Indiana it, it, and seeing friends kind of go to it, you know, on their, on their social media and stuff, it always looks like something that's a fun time. I've just never gotten a group together and actually done it. So I don't have too much interest. I might catch who the winner is. Um, but other than that, that's about it for me. Same. Like, you know, as a kid, when there were still just three networks and we'd be over like the grandparents or whatever for Memorial Day weekend, the race would be on. And I'd watch at least part of it. But it's, you know, like, it's funny. I've lived in Indiana for going on 23 years, and I don't remember watching any Indy 500 in the times, that, you know, the time that I've actually lived in the state of Indiana. It has just fallen by the wayside. It's just yet another relic of the past. And you just, you know, the open wheel stuff is less popular than NASCAR anyway. I'm not into NASCAR. And so I'm definitely not into the open wheel. So, Odds are I will not be watching much 500 this weekend. My question for you now, have you ever had a starstruck moment where you ran into an athlete or a celebrity and you froze up? Because, you know, like you're a you're a pretty, you know, congenial person, you know, like you can go, you like you can talk to a lot of people, all that kind of stuff. If it's, you know, have, have you ever had a moment where like you ran into an athlete or celebrity you know, maybe either didn't know what to say or just said something kind of crazy. And later you were kind of like, why did I say that? Um, There's a few instances that come to mind. Uh, Ooh, I was down in Miami for Notre Dame National Championship against Alabama back in 2012. Right. Um, I ran into a prominent artist on the streets of miami and instead of just like going up to him because i was like is this really this person and i just shouted out their name and uh -huh. they they were probably like 20 30 feet away and it was that person and they they, they looked back it was i was with some friends uh he looks back at us acknowledged us and then we just asked him if we could take a picture with him quickly and he was he was coming out of the store with like a bunch of bags in hand and he was trying to get in his car quickly and all that stuff uh -huh. Um, and he en ended up letting us uh, take a picture with him. But I just remember being frozen because I, I was just like, uh, I was like, this can't be who this is. And I, my first instinct was just to, to shout their name out loud. Um, another instance, I was on the F Notre Dame football field at one point. Um, and I can't remember. I think Vince Vaughn was with um, maybe Will Ferrell on the sidelines. And I was really close to them. I wanted to go up to them and ask for, you know, a picture or something. And I just couldn't do it. I was just in awe of just like looking at them <laughs> as, a, as a young child. I was going to say, and you were probably still young enough then that you could have gotten away with it and not, you know, felt like right. any, any Because I remember, for... I think what turned me off is I think some uh, like adults were asking them for that kind of stuff and they were turning them away. And I was kind of right there watching all of it. And I was like, uh -huh. well, do I press my luck? And <laughs> rather than even trying, I just was kind of like look, just staring at him, gazing at him with the with my jaw dropped. And then 
The last one would be um, actually last year at the College World Series with the Auburn athletic director at the time. <laughs> That's right. That whole um, fiasco. Yeah. Alan Green. <laughs> I was, we were with Alan Green. And, Notre Dame uh, alum. Notre Dame former, alum. It was after Notre Dame won the, won the first game. Uh-huh. So everyone was kind of out, you know, hanging out. A lot of Notre Dame alum was out celebrating and enjoying the, being at the World Series and of, of course winning in the first round. And I don't ever exactly remember what I said, but I know it wasn't something of intelligence and <laughs> ended up being a joke. And we all laughed about it. But uh, Alan Green, really good guy. But I definitely. Well, and you kept stupid. didn't you kind of keep like doubting that he was actually the athletic director or something? To that, I effect? think so. I think so. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. I, that was that was the best. You know, we had we had a good time when when you and our old friends Lego Pete LaFleur were out there for the College World Series but uh, that that was the best night after Notre Dame's win down there in the you know in the bar in the lobby of the team hotel and there were just Notre Dame people everywhere alums Paul Maneri was there a lot of you know like Brian O'Connor the current Virginia coach who was an assistant on the 2002 College World Series team John Gumpf his wife Deanna the softball coach you know their their son Brady obviously is on the team there were just people everywhere and you know, Alan Green and on and on and on. That was that was a lot of fun that night for sure. My moment was back when I was in college, and it was during the strike season, 92, Major League Baseball. And uh, my now wife, then girlfriend, your mom, and, and me and my buddy Randy, we were in a barbecue place in the Kansas city area, we sit down, we've got a barbecue. We start to eat literally at the table next to us, Tony Gwynn, Joe Carter, and Phil Plantier, another major leaguer sit down right next to us. And Randy and I, you know, like huge baseball fans, obviously. And we're, we're just kind of looking at each other and we're like, and we didn't know what to say. And I, and I was like, we can't, we can't go up and and asked for an autograph <laughs> and he's like no he kind of shook his head and this was you know again this was like 30 years ago so like cell phones were barely a thing and definitely cell phones with cameras you know there weren't smartphones so like nobody was walking around with a camera in their pocket basically so it's not like we could even say hey can we get a picture real quick so we just we had no idea what to say and we just kind of got up and you know there was like we got out to the car and there was like for a fleeting moment, we were going to send your mom back in to, uh, to try to get some autographs, but that didn't happen. So it was uh, it was completely starstruck. So we ended up just watching Tony Gwynn, Joe Carter and Phil Plantier eat their barbecue and drink <laughs> strawberry pop while we sat there and just kind of ogled, you know, the big league players next to us. They were, you know, again, it was during the strike. And uh, they were they were kind of taking some shots at Bud Selig, the baseball commissioner. So that was kind of funny. We did get some chuckles out of that. But we had no, absolutely zero idea what to say, what to do. So we froze and did nothing, basically. I don't think I've ever heard that story before. I would have went up to Tony Gwynn. <laughs> I wish I would. Funny thing, I should have mentioned that because... What about how many years later would that have been? About eleven years later, Tony Gwynn 
I totally forgot this. Tony Gwynn was the head coach of San Diego State University for a few years. And Notre Dame, we went out to uh, to USC and played San Diego State one day and USC the next. I actually got to interview Tony Gwynn. I should have told him that little anecdote, <laughs> but I totally forgot. Probably would remember because that. of it being the lockout. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it was probably a memorable time for him. He might not have recognized you of course of course but... not <laughs> but if i would have brought up you know him joe carter and phil playing right exactly in gates barbecue then yeah that, he would have probably recalled that might have jarred something that's exactly right i wish i gosh oh well regret the late great tony gwynn but that was that was the that was like the one time i had no absolutely zero idea what to say well jess this what, has been a quick one. We had no Vince to help blow some extra steam into this yeah, show. Yeah, to fill so. to fill the air with his uh, <laughs> the air of his own. What uh, any 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 fun Memorial Day plans for you this weekend? I have zero plans. I have no idea what we're going to be doing. Someone else who lives in this house is uh, having gallbladder issues. So, oh, so um, it's. There's there's little chance <laughs> that that big activities are going to be going on. I've got to find something because it's nice outside, and we've got a three day weekend, so I've got to find something to do this weekend. Yeah, because it's not, uh, and not only is it nice outside, it's like not hot. It's like the perfect temperature mm-hmm. of nice outside. It's not overwhelmingly cold, um, overwhelmingly hot. And so I'm going, obviously, I mean, this it's pretty evident what I'm doing tonight. Um, tomorrow, going golfing. Just bought a new golf set. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the new set out there and beat them to crap. <laughs> um, then I have a, a good buddy's birthday celebration Saturday night. So I'm sure I'll be out pretty late Saturday night. Sunday is firing up the grill for the first time this summer. Went out and got a bunch of meats from Costco. So we'll probably do some of that for sure. Fire up some burgers, some chicken, some brats, some corn on the cob. That'll be nice. Um, and then, you know, maybe catch another game on that Sunday. And then Monday, I don't I don't have anything, to be honest with you. So that might be my chill day. I actually have a ton of work stuff in the next three weeks, so you might catch me work maybe a half day on Monday, unfortunately, just to get a little bit ahead. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to the weekend. I love Memorial Day weekend. It's kind of like that last break before you know summer fully hits. I coach a youth baseball team, so our first game is actually next weekend. That'll start you know until and go until August. So we'll have games every weekend, um, and then yeah, it's. It seems to me it's like that the dawn of before summer. It's like the last time to really kind of do something fun before the craziness of summer kicks in. All right. Well, enjoy. And as Derek said, make sure you hydrate. Stay safe. (laughs) Always hydrated. Everybody else, hydrate. Stay Stay safe. Have a great Memorial Day weekend as well. We will be off on Monday. I'm not sure if Brian's going to have a show, Brian and Ryan, on Monday or not. But uh, we won't, so we will talk to you Tuesday. So hit that like button and, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great Memorial Day. We'll talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Peace.